Hi friends, I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna. And this is the Growing Home Together podcast. We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God and each other. Thank you for joining us today on the Growing Home Together podcast. You know, I remember last summer when our family was exposed to the COVID-19 virus. Um, Several of us were infected. Joanna felt terrible for weeks. And we spent days and days in quarantine. The virus created a huge amount of stress and kept us from a lot of the joys of summertime together. Yeah, but, you know, looking back, Rob and I realized that long before COVID-19, we had been infected by a different kind of sickness that has had much deeper and more serious consequences for our family. Today's guest, Jennifer Dukes-Lee, is here to explain how the disease of hurry sickness can infect our lives. Jennifer lives on the fifth-generation Lee family farm in Iowa, where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. She is an author who once didn't believe in Jesus, but now serves him as her CEO. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jennifer. We are just delighted that you're here. Well, truly an honor, and I can absolutely relate to everything you said about COVID-19. It was wild because all of a sudden we were in this state of enforced slowness. Like Mm -hmm. I was writing the last chapters of a book on growing slow on a book of hurry sickness when the previously inconceivable idea of the world being shut down. I've always wondered, what would that look like? There we were. (laughs) We were in it. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Well, yes, we are so glad you're here. You know, Joanna and I created Growing Home Together with the mission of to care for the soul of the family. And your book, Growing Slow, calls us to a soul care better than almost any book I've read in a long time. So I just love, um, I would love for you to share with us and our listeners uh, some of the backstory that led you to write this book. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned hurry sickness, and I had this sickness, but I didn't even know I was sick. And I know that people that have different kinds of um, physical ailments have said that, like, I didn't even realize what it was to feel good again until they were diagnosed and were, you know, cured and got over some kind of pain or physical ailment. And then they knew, wow, I was not in healthy shape, in healthy shape. And that's the way that I had been really for most of my life. And um, I have been a grow fast person. I have been a high capacity person capable of doing a lot of things And really, honestly and candidly, probably an adrenaline junkie. Mm -hmm. And I think I fed that quite effectively uh, when I was a news reporter. I covered news for major metropolitan newspapers early in my career and bounced around from one assignment to the other, uh, whether it was a homicide or a tornado or a plane crash. Uh, the presidential election, which where I live in Iowa, that's kind of a big deal because we have the first in the nation caucuses. Right. And so it was constant uh, turning over a story, getting back to work, working late and living that way. And I got into my 40s, even after we'd moved back to a slower paced life and realized that I was still really living a pretty fast paced life. But it didn't always have to do with the things on my to do list. Uh, we know that because people st- struggle with hurry sickness and feeling behind even during COVID when our calendars were completely whited out. Yeah. Um, having a hurried heart is something that is happening on the inside and the cure is definitely an inside job. And that's where I have found myself is on this journey to unhurrying my heart and 
wanting to share what I've learned with other people whose hearts are hurried as well. Right. You know, for a lot of us, like you're saying, we're just kind of carried along with the pace of our life and trying to get it all done and be who and what we think we need to be for everybody in our life. Um, But don't you think that that gets more validation than this growing slow and living (laughs) slow and having an internal slowness that you're talking about? Right. A growing fast life is really what's rewarded culturally to, to climb to the next level to, you know, for authors, it's gaining a certain number of Facebook followers or Instagram followers or podcast downloads or listeners um, or people who are buying our book in ministry for a pastor. It's looking out and how many people are in the pews. Um, you know, when am I going to make it to the corner office? There's just all of these things that are attached to outputs and rewards. And it's hard to figure out how to slow down because people are afraid that they will lose their edge. People are afraid that they'll lose their jobs. Uh, people are afraid that it will ki- kill the dreams that they have for what looks like purpose and success for their life. And it's good to go after a life of meaning. And it, I, I don't think that God is expecting us to just all quit our jobs and hang around on floaties in the middle of lakes, which those <laughs> things are fine. But, you know, he's, he's calling us a life to a life of good and meaningful work. But he's not, I am convinced with all that is within me, he is not calling us to a life of hustle. That's not the way he operated. That's not the way he operated while on earth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I was kind of reflecting and meditating on Jesus's words this morning about, um, taking on his yoke, you know, and, and learning from him cause he's gentle and lowly. And I was thinking, you know, um, when I look on Instagram and when I look on social media, I don't see anybody looking for that gentle and lowly, you know, slow down, um, things in our life. And so, you know, I know for me, um, I, Years ago, I had a very demanding job that kept me traveling, kept me away from my family. And um, I just assumed that if I took steps to um, alter my schedule and change things around, that that would change change the situation. But I realized there was more, it was more of a heart issue. So um, That's right. like you were saying, how what would you say to the person who's struggling to embrace that growing slow mindset? Right. Well, Rob, I would definitely say I know how you feel. (laughs) That's what I would tell somebody, first of all, because people used to tell me all the time, Jennifer, you really need to slow down. And it it honestly annoyed me because I would think you don't know the things that I have to do. You don't know that the responsibility that is upon me. But at some point, all of that began to catch up with me. And there was um, this time when we moved back to the farm And um, we moved back because we knew that we were just living a pace of life that we couldn't maintain. Scott had graduated from law school and had a really successful job in insurance. And I was getting dragged down by the news business. And we had just started our family. And it was clear that this was just not going to work. We moved back to the farm. And our colleagues um, and friends said, you're throwing away your potential. Um, you, I can't believe that you have these careers and all of that money that you spent on degrees. And now you're just throwing all that away. You were just on the cusp of something great. And a photographer came and took a picture of our little family on the edge of a field. And both Scott and I had, um, babies on our hips 
And uh, this was a, a photograph that was to go with a farewell piece in the Des Moines Register. Okay. And I remember standing there looking at the photographer thinking, what if they are right? What if all my peers and colleagues are right? What if we made the wrong decision? And it took a long time to be to begin to ask a different kind of question. And that is, what if they're wrong? What if we were right? And we had to make those kinds of choices because they weren't the ones that were living our lives. We were. And we were the only ones who were going to be able to link arms with Jesus, who was trying to pull us out of that life and find a different and better way. But the remarkable thing about all of this is we have found on our farm and in our businesses that growing slow is actually our superpower. Mm. We are productive. We are contributing members to our society and to our jobs and to the land. We are raising children to care about things that matter most. We are investing in our marriage. And so all of the things that make up a meaningful life for us began to flourish under this newer mindset. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I just see some parallels between you and Rob. He was describing how his job was really demanding and he was realizing um, the impact that it was making on his ability to lean into his family life. And so he made real world choices like you to step away and try to dial things down. And even though that didn't automatically fix the heart issue he was experiencing, um, he made those choices. And I think he understood that we were in a very specific season, especially in our parenting. And we only had one shot and he didn't want to miss his shot to be there. Um, as our kids were in these you know, this major season of growth as children. And I really like the way in your book that you challenge us to view our lives as a progression of seasons that we're walking through and experiencing. And I love how you call it the ancient way. So can you just mm -hmm. explain for us what does it mean to walk in the ancient way? So the ancient way is really based on a set of verses in Ecclesiastes 3, and it talks about there being a season for everything, a purpose for every activity under heaven. And then it, the Ecclesiastes walks through, you through all kinds of seasons. And some of those seasons are filled with things we love. But some of those seasons are really hard, hard seasons. Mm -hmm. But God tells us that there is a purpose to all of these. So I think that most of us want to live in the seasons of dancing and of planting and those joyful seasons that are described in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through about 11. And But there's, a, there's the harder half of those verses. And it says that there are also things like weeping and grieving there's even this one verse that says there's a time for embracing and there's a time for not embracing. And I always thought, how odd. I wonder what that means. And then COVID hit and I couldn't even hug my mom anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's made me appreciate the season now when I can hug her again. And I think that some of those are literal, like embracing, but some of them are metaphorical seasons that all of us walk through. And it's difficult to embrace those because generally when I'm in a tough season, or a sort of winter season of life, I want out of that season. I want to live in the spring planting and the summer growth and the beautiful harvest of fall. I don't want to live in the hard seasons of winter that 
inevitably hit. But this is the ancient way that God grows us. And it's interesting to me that at the close of that section of verses, we find out that God is making everything beautiful in its time. And so these things take time. And as painful as it is sometimes um, to allow ourselves to walk through and learn from those slower and even difficult seasons of our life. Yeah, that's good. And I, you know, I, I really appreciate, and I don't know if you can, can share some of this or lab, but it, it really, um, it was a good imagery to me, but when you were talking about the winter season, um, those are, those are hard and long, but you talk about in there, the kind of the farming process of, of the, the rocks, um, coming to the surface. And, and I love that analogy. Um, and it just, it, it spoke to me. I don't know if you could share a little bit about that. Absolutely. I'd be happy to share about that. Interestingly, side note, since you're both authors, uh, when I turned in the manuscript for Growing Slow, I sent in two chapters for winter and I said, nobody wants to read about winter. (laughs) (laughs) These are hard seasons. Let's just get past them. And my literary agent and my editor said, no, you need to uh, plumb the depths of this a little bit more. And as it turns out, the winter seasons that I wrote in the book became my very favorite. And my very favorite chapter and story, Rob, is the one that you are mentioning right now. So I'm (laughs) delighted to share. So my first job as a child growing up in rural Iowa was picking rock, which was kind of a funny way to put it because there was more than just one rock in the fields. There were multiple rocks and Mm -hmm. a farmer would pick us up and a bunch of us kids would walk through the fields and pick up these rocks and throw them on a flatbed trailer. And... Um, then the next year we'd be back out in the very same fields doing the very same work. And it's not that there was some rock fairy dropping rocks onto the fields to annoy farmers. What happens is in winter, there is important work being done. And my husband, Scott, calls it a healing of the land. And rocks that are under the surface emerge through the frost-thaw cycle of the land. This couldn't happen without the freezing of winter. So when it thaws, the rocks begin to emerge. A a year ago, Scott sent me a text with a picture. He's like, you got to check this out. It was a rock the size of a living room recliner. And he started to dig it out with his hands and it became clear, this thing is enormous. And so he had to get a skid loader and dig it out. And it took 45 minutes So sometimes they are huge rocks, but other times a rock the size of a fist. But no matter the size, it really needs to come out of the field because leaving them in the field can hurt the equipment. What was clear to me is that the same is true of us. We can get so busy just spring planting and summer growth and, and harvest in our lives that we don't allow winter to heal the land of our hearts, that we all carry burdens that are like rocks and sometimes we've been carrying them around for a very long time and they're enormous but these rocks must come forth so that god can really pick rock within us and tend to the soil of our hearts so that come spring we don't hurt the equipment that we can move through life healthy in a healthy way growing the good things that god has called us to grow But if we go through life carrying these rocks around and never letting them emerge and never giving God the freedom and space and time he needs to remove them, then we will continue to feel heavier and heavier in our hearts as years go on. 
So it really became a metaphor for me about tending to the soil of our heart and how important winter is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it was, uh, it was good for me to see that because I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who you're, you're from Iowa. We're from, from Michigan. We know about, about winters, you know? Um, and we, uh, I get past Christmas and I'm ready for, uh, for winter to be done. And, uh, and so, yeah, that moving fast. So that was just a really good analogy about, um, and really encouraging. So I appreciate that. Um, and I'm going to shift gears a little bit here because, um, I want to also talk about this other part. I, I wish we could keep you all day cause I have lots of thoughts here, but, um, I'm a very goal oriented person. Um, and so I'm always, um, trying to set new goals and, and dream and all this uh, with my finances, with my career, with my family. But I always feel that anxiety and that stress that I'm not going to accomplish those or that I'm running behind in my life. So what would you say to a person who feels feels that way? It's so common and at any age and stage of life. And really, honestly, that is one of the biggest factors and triggers for having a hurried heart is this feeling that I should be further along by now just to walk through a a life that maybe many of the listeners have experienced and maybe they'll relate in some way. In high school, um, you know, our kids are at the age of what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I should know by now what I'm going to do. And we all know that we have big dreams at 17 that by the time we're 30, sometimes it doesn't match up at all. But there's this pressure to know. And then when you get to college, there's this pressure to find somebody who you're going to marry. And if you do get married, there's this new pressure to start to have a a child and then maybe another child. And if these things don't happen, it feels like they're falling behind. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon it becomes about buying a home. Then it's about a 401k and maybe buying a second home or a better home. And it really then always is so forward-looking. And, and, and of course, we, we want to have goals, and th- those are wonderful and fine, and they motivate right. us. But when our eyes are always set so far ahead, we miss the beauty of the, uh, of the gifts of the life that we have already been given right here. We miss the beauty of the stage that our children are in, whatever that happens to be. We miss the beauty of where our marriage is right now, because marriages change and evolve over time, and each season um, has some special gifts in it and, you know, some some hard seasons as well. Mm-hmm. But I think we would do well to embrace the moments that we're in um, instead of racing and uh, on forward and looking back in our lives and thinking, wow, that's all a blur. Hey there, friends. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I'm excited to tell you about a wonderful marriage resource that Rob and Joanna have for you. Rob and Joanna Tigan have been married for almost 30 years and have experienced every kind of high and low in their life together. But if they had to name the biggest lesson they've ever learned as a married couple, it's that a close relationship with God helps them have a close relationship with each other. And on the flip side, if they move farther away from God, they are sure to experience a growing distance from each other too. That's why they are so passionate to help couples draw closer to God and each other every day. Rob and Joanna have created a powerful tool for you to use in your marriage. It's called Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples. This gorgeous book gives you an inspiring scripture, a word of teaching and encouragement, and a prayer to lift up together every day of the year. The daily topics cover every part of your life together, whether it's financial or parenting stress, conflict or communication, 
or the intimacy and oneness you're longing to grow between you. Now today you may be feeling distant or discouraged. Maybe your faith has been tested by the stress of this past year, or maybe you're feeling lonely and unsupported in your relationship. It's incredible how connecting with God and each other through a daily devotional can transform your marriage and give you hope. You can find Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples at growinghometogether.com or wherever books are sold. Check out the link in the show notes for easy access to the book on Amazon. Now, back to the show. Yeah, well, you know what's kind of adding a layer of concern for me is that we can so easily pass that um, hurry sickness on to our kids. And just like you're describing in our own house this past spring, our daughter was putting all kinds of pressure on herself to get the grades and to figure out her next steps for school. And she felt like everybody else in her grade was 10 steps ahead of her and figuring out their future. Um, And another daughter was just killing herself at work to try to keep her boss happy and boost her bank account. And just like you were saying, our son and his wife, actually, uh, their fifth anniversary is today, have heard so many times the question, when are you going to start your family? So just like you're saying, so I've got to know... um, from your perspective, how do we keep from passing this on to our kids? There are different practical things that we can do at different stages. So for our younger children, you know, I think back to times when I was constantly saying, come on, we got to hurry up. We got to get moving. Um, and and um, just out the door to get to the bus stop or um You know, maybe it's even like we're headed to the park and I'm making it all about the destination instead of the journey when my children want to just stop and examine every mud puddle and every, um, you know, dandelion or whatever. (laughs) And to allow our kids and teach our kids to embrace journeys um, instead of rushing them on to the next thing. And then as the kids get older, I think something that really causes a hurried heart is the amount of activities that we try to get our kids into and to maintain all of those along with um, their school schoolwork and, and all the spiritual formation and all the other things that are incredibly important um, and figuring out like, what do we really, what does she or he really want to pursue in life? Um, you know, my, our oldest was wanting to be able to be an athletic star And we really encouraged her just to examine her gifts and not do what the popular thing was. Well, she's now pursuing a major in music at Iowa State University and is a very accomplished clarinetist and pianist. But Mm -hmm. it just took some time to help her nurture the gifts that God had already given her. And I think even now, you know, when our kids are older, we have one in high school and again, one in college. I'm constantly saying to the girls, you have the right to change your mind. You have the right to change your mind about your major. You have the right to to remove yourself from a toxic group of friends. You have the right to change your feelings about things as you grow and learn more about this world. Um, these are these are all good things, and I think that uh, embracing change is a really good way to stop your heart from hurrying because so many of us are staying stuck in certain jobs or friend groups or mindsets that create hurry within our hearts. And if we have permission to change, we may open ourselves up to something really beautiful that we wouldn't have known otherwise. So those are, you know, de- depending on the stage, those th- that's the way that we are trying to show our kids what it is to live a more unhurried life. 
But but even beyond that, I think something practical that any parent can do right now who's listening is to think back um, in those two weeks during COVID, those things that you did that were really important to you that really created a sense of family. Because I know that families were having longer dinners, we're making creative dinners, we're going on walks together, we're putting together puzzles, baking bread. Uh, they were all these things that we were creatively trying to think about how to nurture relationships in the home. And so even looking back on those first two weeks, remembering what that looks like and applying it right now in 2021. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, you know, it was interesting because I remember um, reading a little bit of that in, in your book and touching on that. And I was sharing with Joanna um, that same thing that I remember when, when COVID kind of first hit um, we, and not to minimize um, maybe some of the stress it was causing for people or the sickness or anything, but in, when it first kind of set, it almost felt like a little mini vacation. We're like, oh, well, this is it. You know, a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing this. And, and I remember, you know, my son was home from school. So I'd kind of fit into my day. He and I would go for, for a run or a bike ride. And, you know, so we, and we watched more movies and, you know, we did all these things. And I mean, obviously it lasted a lot longer than a couple of weeks, but uh, to your point, um, I think it was just a sign of how, much our our hearts and our families needed that that we did that we immediately went to that kind of space and place with with that shutdown that's exactly right that's what i'm talking exactly what i'm talking about and definitely not to minimize the pain of it and it did some things did get old and boring but i remember feeling in that first two weeks like wow this is wild like what this, like I said earlier, this inconceivable thing happened where the entire world shut down. Like people in Manhattan were saying, the birds are, it's weird because the birds are even acting different. They're they're chirping more loudly than they used to. <laughs> well, they weren't chirping more loudly. It's just that we were all slowed down enough to hear and there wasn't all this other interference. And like a pride of lions would be found just like sleeping in the middle of the highway because there was no traffic and you know polluted skies were suddenly the bluest they'd been in years it was just kind of wild when you look back at that just really intense two two week to month period yeah for sure so so joanna and i have kind of a unique um challenger or struggle if you will in that we're we're marriage partners but we're also work and ministry partners too and so we notice how these goals and to-do lists um kind of take over our relationship. So how does the pressure uh, to be and to do um, and not slow down, how does that affect the, the true intimacy in a marriage for a couple, do you think? Well, I relate in a way because I am a farm wife and we live where we work and we work where we live. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly um, really before our very eyes is Scott's work and just right beside the kitchen is my work as an editor and an author. And so Scott and I have been very uh, intentional, which is the word <laughs> toward making this happen, very intentional about, about spending time together and not feeling guilty for closing our laptops or the tractor off at 
five o'clock. Now, there are seasons where things are busier than normal. You know, Scott can't just leave the field at five o'clock during planting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's planting well into the night, but we know that that cannot be sustained and that our marriage cannot survive through those periods. So we too are, we are all about making dinners together and going, we go out to dinner a lot, (laughs) especially now that the world has opened up again. We, before COVID, we went to the gym together and now we have just begun that again last week and we're so thrilled about it. Uh, We pray together uh, and we study God's word together in Bible studies and doing all of those things creates a very special intimacy in our marriage. We serve together. Uh, We love to serve together at uh, a teenage retreat. In fact, one's coming up two weeks from now, and it is our joy to serve with teens together. So all of those things have really strengthened our marriage. And I'm not saying we have the perfect marriage or that we do everything correctly, but those are some of the things that have really helped us to grow closer together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I know... um... Rob and I really committed to to banking time for prayer. And I think now that our kids are a little older, we're with you. We go out to eat a little more often than we used to because <laughs> we don't eat us there all the time. So, yeah, I feel you. Um, but, you know, another unique struggle that we feel is that we're parenting an adopted child who has suffered trauma in his life. And we've spoken before on the podcast and in our writing before about the mental health issues that have touched our family And, you know, as a mom, I just want to jump in and fix it all right now. I don't like to see my kids struggle. It breaks my heart. But you hold up kind of a yellow light to slow us down in that. And I'd love to hear how we can keep from rushing through the healing process that we really need to overcome pain and trauma from the past. Yes, this is so important, uh, not only for some trauma that we've experienced um, with one of our daughters that I talk about in the book, um, but whether you're dealing with grief or grief, somebody that you love has passed away or um, the the death of a dream, um, a hurt from somebody that you trusted and loved, I think that um, people like me try to cope with productivity and working past it, but um, that the the wound never heals. It's like putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole, as the saying goes. When I, uh, 10, 12 years ago, I was in a car accident and uh, I received a very uh, painful injury on my leg and it was difficult to heal. And after a couple man- months, we were like, oh good, it's finally healing. But it was only healing on the outside underneath was not healing. And so we had to go through a surgery to allow that to heal underneath. And I didn't want to do it because it looked like it was healthy. But the truth is, if we just only allow the surface to heal, that wound will fester and eventually cause us problems down the road. And so to embrace healing of any kind is painful, but helps us to become, you know, and for our children that are dealing with trauma, Um, become healthier people on the other side of this. And I want to often fix, I want to rush through, I want the problem solved, and I want it solved now. Um, But I'm learning that the way toward healing is to just walk with her in it, and to know that Jesus is with us in it. And that's a really beautiful thing to know that Jesus is 
in the room and in the pain and right with us. And we just always speak and remember that he is right there. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, um, you know, I'm sure there are many listening who at this point of the conversation can relate to a lot of the things you're talking about. Um, but at the same point, I think they're probably thinking, is it too late for my family? Uh, what would you tell the mom or dad who feels like it's, it's too late to reset the pace of life that we've, we've got, you know, that we're on for our family? That's right. It's not too late and it's not too early. I am now in my late forties and I feel like I'm still learning, uh, the way of growing slow Mm -hmm. and still implementing new things just in the same way that we, uh, spiritually mature over time in the same way that we grow taller over time from infancy. All things take time, even the concepts of growing slow. If, if that weren't true, then God would have brought us here to earth as fully matured uh, adults with everything intact, our our maturity, our spiritual maturity, our faithfulness, generosity, we would all just have it all together from day one. But for whatever reason, he himself came to earth as a baby, and he brings us to earth as a baby to grow us slowly in all of these things. And it is never too late. I see that things that I've implemented even over the past year have made a difference for myself, my marriage, and my children, even now at this later stage in their growing up years. Well, you know, your book and this time with you has been such a gift to us. And I really feel like you're holding out peace and rest and comfort for everybody who can hear you. Um, You know, I can just imagine how many of our friends are feeling overwhelmed by life right now. But they want so much to start walking in the ancient way that you're describing and that the word describes. And would you be willing to pray right now that they will find freedom from the hurry sickness in their life? Absolutely. Be my joy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you so much for showing us what it means to live a slower way. Jesus, when you were here, you were never in a hurry. You took time for dinners. You called Zacchaeus out of a tree. You met a woman at a well. You even stopped to make breakfast for your friends. These are all the way of growing slow. And Lord, I ask that you would implement these, a desire really, and a motivation to grow slow and to grow closer to you through this slow growth, Lord. For each one of us listening, Lord, that if right now we're feeling like, yes, my life is so hurried, I feel like I'm falling behind. Lord, I ask that you would come into those spaces and draw people near to you into a place of slower, living and peaceful rest. Thank you for modeling what it means to grow slow and for having patience with us, even when we're in a hurry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much, Jennifer. This has been really encouraging. And I know our listeners are going to want to go get their own copy of of Growing Slow. This is the only time I'm going to in this podcast, you're going to hear go fast, but I would say rush fast and get a copy <laughs> of Growing Slow because um, it is is really encouraging. So um, what's the best way our friends can get a hold of you or find you online? Right. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Jennifer Dukes Lee. That's also the name of my website, jenniferdukeslee.com. If you're looking for Growing Slow, you can find it at Amazon, 
Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, anywhere that you like to shop for books. And I also have a six-week Bible study that includes free videos that you can access and watch alone or with your Bible study group. Oh, great. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, thank you. And thank you again, Jennifer, for taking the time today to share your heart with us. This has been great. I've loved it. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, friends, for joining us today at the Growing Home Together podcast. We'd love to connect with you as well on our website, growinghometogether.com, where you can find a free marriage devotional and fun activities to help you connect with your kids over the summer. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family. And we're growing home together with you. Bye-bye. Bye.